I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Journey Podcast. We are your hosts, Jordan Banks and Kav Datva. And today, I am excited to announce that we are joined by the one and only Mark Stratton. Mark, how are you doing? Um, very well, thank you. I, I will say that there's another Mark Stratton who writes about psychic <laughs> phenomena. So I may not be the one and only, but um, but I don't write about psychic phenomena. I have <laughs> well, certainly in the uh, in the travel writing industry, uh, you know, you are uh, an absolute legend, and and I am excited to talk to you and basically get some of your know-how in in the industry. So um, tell us what you've been up to lately. Where where have you been? Well, I'm still on a bit of a uh, metaphorical high. Um, I, I came back from La Palma um, a couple of days ago. Um, I, t- I took a chance at the beginning of last week, just after the volcano had erupted on La Palma in the Canaries, um, to head over there. And um, I made my way over there. Um, got, to, got to Tenerife and the airport was closed on La Palma because of um, uh, falling ash. And I jumped on a ferry and made it to the island and spent five, five, uh, four days on the island. Um, it's a, it's a big volcano uh, and it's causing quite a few problems. But I, I managed to um, get a nice story out of it, and um, it was an incredible experience. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty turned on by um, natural phenomena, and um, that's the second active volcano I've seen this year. Um, I was fortunate enough to go and see um, the Icelandic one uh, not long after that erupted as well. So, so it's been a pretty phenomenal year. But this this is a, a, amazing, and, and for a writer, it's it, okay. It's borderline travel. It's more news, but um, actually seeing what was going on there, um, the displacement of the population, um, the arrival of the so-called lava chasers um, who were coming to um, to see the volcano in full flow, and um, and just, just being on the island as well, sensing the mood of the people and, and then seeing the volcano itself was just an amazing experience. So one of those things that makes travel totally worthwhile. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it must have been absolutely incredible um, to actually be there and witness it. How, how close did you get to the volcano? Well, I mean, I, this, I, th- I think um, a, f- a few of the, certainly the contributors to your magazine will have been to the Icelandic one now. And you can get ridiculously close because the Icelandics are slightly crazy. Um, but this one was getting harder throughout the day. A second vent opened up on the um, last Saturday when I was there. And it was definitely punching out more, more, more ash. And the police were pushing the cordon um, back throughout the day. Um, I was with a, a guy, um, a, a local uh, tour operator, who um, whose business had shut down, and he agreed to just drive around with me for the day. And um, and um, we were just getting pushed further and further back by the police away from the volcano. So I'd say we've probably got no more than five, six kilometres. Um, to the actual cone itself but it's definitely unpredictable so yeah and um, obviously over the last week or so it's it's got even more ferocious and um, yes it's yeah. um, I mean it, yeah. It, 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 yeah my friend he contacted me last night from La Palma and you know he's his voice had changed they were they're, they're worried now uh, they're not sure this one's going to end quite quite so fast as they imagine technically they last between 20 to 80 days um, in the Canaries, the flows, but this one they're worried about because it, it's got big. Um, there's more vents opening, more lava coming out, and um, it's pouring into the sea, the lava now. So the island's actually getting bigger um, as we speak, but um, there's definite concern, yeah. But it's very, it's, it's, yeah, it's just incredible being there. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, as I said, I followed your journey on sort of Twitter, and, and it sounded like an amazing, amazing thing to witness. And I suppose for you as a, you know, a, a journalist, you have to be sort of ready for these type of news situations that arise. So, so how do you go about that? Are you sort of, you know, sat, sat there with a packed bag ready to sort of jump on a plane or do you kind of plan these sort of things uh, a couple of weeks in advance? How, how do you go about that? You know, I, I think COVID's changed um, the way I operate. Um, I, could, I could probably say prior to COVID, I would, I would probably have work, I don't know, three to six months in advance. Um, and, and typically for me, there were longer haul trips. So I've really enjoyed throughout my career going to sort of very remote places. So one of the last places I went to before, um, before um, COVID was Bougainville Island, which just declared independence. It wants to cede from Papua New Guinea. And that was extremely remote, but it's an extremely long trip as well. Just getting over there takes, takes several days. And so I found myself with, uh, with assignments pre-booked, which would take quite a long time, and I'd write multiple stories from them. Since COVID, I've been reacting on a shorter time basis, so I've actually been going away um, without, li- without much notice at all. So, um, and, would be, and it's enabled me to actually react to situations when they arrive, like the volcano here. Or for instance, I've been getting quite a few commissions based on a new country opening up or new regulations coming in during COVID because throughout the COVID period, I I traveled pretty much nonstop. Um, I was fortunate to um, get plenty of work and navigate my way around it safely and and legally, I should add as well. Um, So it's been a a slight change in the way I operate actually. So definitely not booking up months and months in advance, but um, just reacting to the situation because travel's so volatile at the moment. And I've always been really interested also in, um, in news and events which are happening. 
And uh, if, I can, if I've got the ability to react to that, i.e. I'm not booked up, thinking to myself, well, that would have been a great story, but I'm off to Country X next week. Um, so I've actually really enjoyed working this way and um, it gave me the opportunity last week to, to react to the situation in La Palma, um, which was great. <laughs> yes, I mean, I think I think a, a lot of people have had to obviously adapt the way they do things uh, over the last 18 months. And and certainly, I think for freelancers, you know, this this has been the case as well. So I want to just sort of go back to how you actually got started in, well, first of all, travel, uh, but then also what actually made you want to become a journalist, become a travel writer? Ah, good. Well, um... I mean, everybody says I've always been interested in travel. I mean, my, my first trip, I, I, I grew up in quite a rural area. Um, and so life wasn't always terribly exciting. I wanted to start, uh, at age 16, I went off into railing, basically. That was my first trip away. So I, I, I packed my rucksack for a month and off I went around Europe. And, you know, it, it proliferated. Um, after that. Um, I had another brief career in environmental management, so I'm very interested in wildlife and nature conservation, so I worked in that field um, for a few years and I was writing part-time, um, selling the odd article, mainly to uh, outdoors magazines like Trail, and um, then I decided um, to, to, to make it a bit more of a serious endeavour and really go for it, so I went to uh, London College of Printing and, um, and studied journalism. So I think for any aspiring um, young, young travel journalist or, or any journalist really, um, you know, having a professional qualification and, and getting an, an industry eye view of what goes on and how to, how to, how to write. Um, I mean, we all have these wonderful creative and technical thoughts and about what would make a good article, but, you, you know, actually refining that and honing it into a really effective piece um, takes some skill. So, uh, and it's great to be able to learn that. So that was, that was the, my start there. And then my first, my first, my, I suppose my breakthrough was really, um, uh, I did a work placement at the Independent and uh, was very lucky to be on the same desk as Simon Calder. And, um, and uh, I got a bit of work from Simon as a freelancer, just starting out by myself and, um, you know, getting a few national bylines um, is, is a massive help when you when you're right at the beginning of your career. So, so off I sailed. <laughs> oh wow, what a what a person to have as a kind of a, a sort of a first person to be to be working for. I mean, a, a kind of a legend of the industry. Yeah. <laughs> really, really, and, and then there was another editor called Jeremy Atia, who unfortunately died a few few years back. Um, he was the Sunday editor. Again, another fantastic mentor, extremely nice man, and very very helpful. So um, it was, it was, I was very lucky. So very lucky. Fantastic. And as, as a fellow uh, London College of uh, Printing alumni as well, uh, I didn't realize that you went to London College of Printing. So that's, uh, that's somewhere I, I went to. Jo Jordan, I don't think you, you weren't part of the London College uh, of Art, were you? Did you, where did you no, go? I didn't go anywhere. I just uh, straight into freelancing. Yeah, no studying for me. Well, I mean, I did GCSEs and A-levels, but no university or a uh, college or anything like that. I just went out and hit the road and uh, I probably should have studied a bit more, but um, there you go. <laughs> Hindsight and all that. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, you know, everybody's got their, will find their own path, um, their own way into it. Um, to me, I, I felt like, um, I remember, I, I, remember I, I remember standing in a few articles and um, in my untrained state, 
and uh, the editor's commenting uh, that there's a little bit too much purple prose. Um, <laughs> so actually, actually learning how to refine and rein rein your work in is um, is I think that's a mistake. It's easy to fall into. You 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 get these images in your head and you you start you start waxing lyrical like you're some sort of great poet and and um, and and perhaps you need to be just a little bit more sharper on the story angle. So. So, guilty of that here definitely mark guilty of that <laughs> not on the photography side and i mean the writing no chance for me but very guilty of that and the photography side of things <laughs> I, I think that's great uh, nothing like a few uh a few soft focus edges and stuff like this so yeah no it's good as long as you don't go crazy on photoshop <laughs> yeah no I it's think... nothing like that it's uh tends to be i just tend to not i find it I don't refine the story like you were sort of saying, I tend to put too much content or give editors to, or picture editors too much. And I think that actually ha harms the total story in the end from a photography side of things. So yeah, I think that's you, no, you're, you're, you're so right. I mean, I, I feel, and I felt that pressure certainly at the beginning of my career was you say like you go away for two weeks and you do X amount of experiences and you, you feel like you want to cram them all in. And it, it, it just, starts to read like a travelogue and it, it, it's not good and you need to be sharper and focus on um, focus on a particular story a particular thread um, or, it, or it becomes it starts to look ugly so so just you know having getting an idea about how to process your your work and material effectively is um, I found that really useful so good to know yeah, absolutely. And and I think, I mean, I'm, I'm taking notes myself here because to have someone like Mark Stratton there to, you know, give advice, I don't think it gets much better than that. Um, so you've obviously traveled extensively around the world, uh, 140 countries, uh, more than 140 countries. Um, what, what's been some of your most memorable experiences of looking back? Can I, can, I, can, I, can I qualify so I don't sound like a total anorak? The 140 countries was, I think it was an editor asked me for, <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> how many countries have you been to? Can you add them all up? We're going to, you know, just run a picture of you at the beginning, et cetera. So I did. So it's not something I know. Look, okay. Admittedly, there is a map. I have got a scratch wall map. I don't know if you, well, you can't see it. This is actually a, a, a scratch wall map behind my head of countries I can scratch off, but I'm sure I haven't kept up to date on that. A lot um, memories. I did jot a few down because it, it does become a bit of a blur. I've been, this is, I'm pretty much traveling all year round. So um, something I have been back to on a number of occasions on the cultural front would be the Kumela in India. Um, that is the most unbelievable festival I've ever attended. Um, the density of millions and millions of people and the sheer color and noise and frenetic energy absolutely love that so I intend to do all four of the sacred cities that feature in the um, Kumela cycle so so I've done three of them now so that that's that's another one for the future and something I, I look back very fondly I think in terms of adventure um, I went across I trekked I was in a team that did the first ever trek across the um, uh, Dash Dilut desert in Iran the world's hottest desert um, and that, that was a fantastic exercise in team bonding and um, and just really moving around in an extreme environment. It was unbelievably hot. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, nature is a great passion of mine. Um, and to date, my favorite national park in Africa is, is Zakuma in Chad. Again, a little bit off the beaten track, which is kind of how I like my travel, to be a little bit away from the mainstream. 
Um, but that's an amazing, <laughs> amazing national park. And it just simply blew me away. And I'd see perhaps, perhaps the most sort of ethereal journey I ever took was, was uh, three weeks on a ship going across the chain of Micronesia. And that really introduced me to the South and North Pacific Islands, uh, which I'd love to see more in the future. Uh, these were just beautiful, beautiful islands and uh, people living in simple communities on the islands. Uh, I was absolutely blown away by that as well. So um, just a, a fantastic experience of, of, of life so far away from the norm. It was almost unimaginable, so. They're, they're probably, they're probably, that would be three or four good highlights, I think. Wow. I mean, all of that sounds absolutely incredible. And I know that um, Jordan's been to Camella. I, I haven't myself, but I have it on my list as, as literally one of my bucket list items to go to. And I know Jordan acts, absolutely loved when he went to Camella as well. You were probably at the same one I was at, weren't you? I, I've only been to one. I, I do plan to do all of them. And um, one, I was at the one. I was at Allahabad in 2013, I believe, was it? Uh, yeah, 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 I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, I assumed you would be. Yeah, obviously, we didn't bump into each other. But <laughs> I, how, to, how to imagine why? Because there must yeah. have been five or seven million people. <laughs> I, I think I read somewhere that that was the largest gathering of people ever on the earth and still is to this day. Uh, that one there so i'm not sure whether that's actually factual but i have definitely read that somewhere yeah it has a huge the huge great plain around the ganges um it can just you know what that's like it's a vast flat area and you can absolutely cram loads of people in so yeah lots of walking every day i remember that as well but yeah. I, I was really lucky i've got quite i won't bore everyone with it now but i got quite lucky with a i managed to get myself right at the front of the sort of major on the holiest day to bathe in the morning i managed to get myself right at the first group right at the water's edge with them and spent the whole night with them so that was one of my greatest ever experiences by far photographically i mean just incredible um you know, I was, I, I, it, it's quite about, I mean, I take photographs, not, not to you guys um, level, but, um, but actually concentrating on, on, on the writing and processing a story and photography as well can be quite challenging, but, but it's mm. one of the places, um, the Kum, where you, 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 you can almost point your camera in any direction and you're going to come out with something quite extraordinary. Uh, yeah, it's almost spray and pray, but you're actually not praying. Like it's just actually working everywhere you go. There's something great. <laughs> um, so, Mark, yeah. have you got anywhere left on your bucket list to that you that you still want to get to? Yeah, I I, I do, I, I do. Um, I generally there's a couple of countries I've not been to in Latin America, and that's Bolivia and Peru. And I really want to go to Bolivia. Um, I like the mountains and um, culturally it looks incredibly interesting, as does Peru. So uh, I don't know why I've never been to Peru, as it's one of the most popular countries in Latin America. But it's, uh, well, I've been to places like Suriname and Paraguay, etc. But um, I'm working my way around there slowly, so um, hopefully soon. Um, I want to keep exploring more of Papua New Guinea. I've been there six times now. Um, absolutely love PNG and the South Pacific Islands as well. Um, they're so unknown and I, I've had a few forays into the South Pacific and it's just been incredible. And there's a real remoteness about that experience. So, and, and there's one thing I've always fancied doing is, is, is going um, overland from Cape Town to Cairo. I'll probably manage it one day, but um, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a commitment. I did think about it during uh, lockdown actually. Uh, <laughs> 
but but then I think it will probably would have been a nightmare traversing through the different COVID rules of various African countries. So, but that's 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 on the bucket list as well. So yeah. Wow, that's I mean that all sounds incredible and uh, just just goes to show that um, you know someone even as well traveled as you still has plenty of places on their bucket list to to, to visit. Um, Definitely, and also going back going back to places as well. I mean, I think that's you know one of the things I've done over the years. I've, I've, into places on the, I'm not somebody who goes to one place ticks it off and says that I don't need to go back there you know I, I tend to these days follow the story really so you know, if I feel there's a great story then um, I, I don't mind where it is so and I mean and that that sort of um, leads quite nicely into my next question which is actually about you know how, how do you go about finding the kind of the interesting stories or, or what is actually worth pursuing from a from a story or journalistic point of view yeah, I, I, I suppose I, I, I suppose I read it, and obviously, you know, a, a conventional way these days in our industry is that you'll get um, um, PR press releases. Um, absolutely, loads of them arriving. So uh, um, most don't interest me, but I have got some very favoured um, PR um, people who who do come up with great ideas, which I do follow up. But many of the ideas I do generate myself, um, and it is from following the news. Um, I, I read a lot, and um, um, yeah, I mean, it's very hard to say for sure. So it, it, it may even be something, I, an idea I've had like 10, 15 years ago, and it's just suddenly come back into my head when that country's been mentioned again. Um, I, I sometimes I'll pitch an idea, maybe I pitched 10 years ago, and just slightly update it. It, it didn't sell then. But now I'm writing for different publications and different editors, and it may sell again. So I've got like this. I, I've actually I actually log every pitch that I make. Well, when I'm in the UK, I do so. Um, over over the years, I've been I'm working almost seventy five percent of myself my time overseas now. So so when I'm writing and pitching, I'm doing a lot of this work while I'm actually on the road. So. Um, so I'm not actually recording so many as I used to, but I've got a, a long list of features that never sold. And, you know, my, like anybody, just because you're established and you, you've been around for some time, my, my success rate in pitches is still, it, it can still be modest. And, um, you know, I like, like every person starting out, I still pitch a lot. And you, that's one of those things as a freelancer, you have to be, you have to be thick skinned. You you have to um, take rejection, <laughs> take rejection very well, um, because you know, particularly when you're starting out, you do get a hell of a lot of uh, um, pitches which are, are not accepted. So, yeah, and I think um, and I think that's kind of really spot on in that, regardless of how experienced you are, you do get rejections, and um, you know that's quite the same with Journey as well. We're obviously planning for the next issue now, and you know, we are going to be inundated with pitches and as much yeah. as we want to, you want, we want to work with everyone, obviously you, you can't. And so that, you know, when you do get a rejection, whether it's from journey or from another publication, it doesn't mean that it's you. It just means that it's not the right time, you know, but certainly keep coming back. I guess that's, that's kind yeah. of what I'm, I'm still myself for your, for your rejection as well. When I pitch you next time. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it typed up, ready to go. <laughs> No, I'm um, I'm actually you know really excited to to kind of see your pitch for for the next issue. Um, 
So in terms of journey, obviously you were in issue one. What made you want to get involved? Uh, what made you kind of think that this was something worth uh, contributing to? You know what? Do you know when when you when you when you when you approached me on that? I, I'd seen I'd seen quite a, a lot of. Um, it was a difficult time, yeah. We were in COVID, and it was a very hard time for freelance writers. And by definition, it looks like a pretty desperate time for travel for travel journalists with the restrictions with travel. But there were, I, I noticed there seemed to be quite a tide of despondency. A lot of people saying, oh, what am I going to do now? And, and oh, this is awful. You know, I, I don't know where my next assignment's coming from, et cetera. And then when I, when I saw your, your, um, your idea, I thought, well, you know, I, I, firstly, it, it impressed me that you thought you'd actually decided to, to have a, to have a go at something to try something different and and i admired that and i thought that was that was great so naturally as a freelance writer when somebody offers you work um uh, i'm I, I give my best for it doesn't matter who i write for whether it's a, a, a small publication i've never heard of or, or a, a big uk national um for me i approach it in the same way and um, so that was, you know, it was great to see somebody being really positive about travel at a time when we really needed it. So I was really, really delighted to um, delighted to collaborate. And we were talking about this before we started recording. Um, what I also like was um, the fact that for a magazine, there was going to be a lot of stories, a lot of long form stories in it, which is great. Um, because that can be lost a little bit these days in publications um, where you have a lot more um, listicles and um, best things to do, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so it's, it was great to, um, great to, to contribute to that actually, to be allowed to tell a story. So. Oh, well, thank you very much. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I, as I kind of said, um, you know, earlier, you were sort of someone that I approached and as someone who, whose work I've, I've admired over the years, I think when you sort of agreed to come on board, it really did give, I mean, certainly me, but I, Jordan as well, it gave us the confidence to think that actually, you know, people as respect, respected that you wanted to get involved, you know, we, we, we should really pursue this and do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what exactly it. Sorry to interrupt there. Max. Yeah, um, I think that's exactly it. Just once you've got some people who are like, right, this isn't just a pipe dream, this could really become something. It made a massive difference to to our sort of direction and you know positivity i guess so yeah we appreciate that and obviously your kind words a minute ago that's lovely to hear so well yeah and and and, and now uh, as you agreed to pay me 10 pounds for saying this before we started recording <laughs> um, finest magazine <laughs> i've ever they, they, it, it, the finished product was spectacular so uh, again I, i'll put this on here massively well done you guys uh, really superb looking magazine uh, it's lovely sitting sitting on a um i've got this uh um um xylophone made of uh, bamboo from uh, malawi i think sitting in my living room and it's that's kind of like functions as the coffee table so it's sitting on top of that pile there so it looks great so well done oh thank you thank you very much um so just in terms of your actual story i mean you wrote a wonderful story about colombia um you know what made you actually want to do that trip in the first place i mean it was a it was a really interesting story and you know it's something that sometimes i, I kind of look at stories and think oh that's such a great idea why didn't i think of that what made you actually want to do that trip and and then subsequently pitch it well i I, th I think um i mean firstly colombia has to be for me one of the most diverse countries on earth 
um, I touched, uh, I'd been there this, I think this was my fourth trip uh, and I'd, I touched on this amazing biodiversity, which is just outstanding. And certainly the sort of cultural side of the, of the Spanish um, uh, historical takeover of, of Colombia um, and indeed most of Latin America. Uh, I, I approached that side architecturally and, and been to some of the buzzy capitals and the coastal resorts. And um, when I when I heard, so this this came this this idea came out of a news um, a news story. I was following the fact that FARC, um, the rebel, the leftist rebel group, um, had were pulling back from positions in in a peace deal with the national government. And I read that it, it had opened up some of the provinces, um, including the, the two that I wrote about in the article for you. Um, and it was allowing visitors to, um, to visit um, some fantastic archaeological sites at San Agustin and, and Tierra Dentro. And so that, that just sounded like motivation to go down there and, um, and to actually come across an archaeological site so unknown and so fantastic that I, I felt I could compare that with some of the great Inca sites, Aztec sites of Latin America. Um, was was just incredible. So, um, so I mean, again, that 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 chimed well with what some of the things I've been saying. I'm, I'm interested in 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 news, and I pick up a lot of stories from from listening to to news from around the globe. And um, so that was something I picked up on the back of the armed rebels' withdrawal from that region. And again, something a bit more off the beaten track. I mean, a typical first time Colombia piece may focus on places like Cartagena. Um, and um, so to actually go off the track there to, to a very unknown part of, um, of, of the country was, was suited my kind of approach to travel anyway. So, and um, I, I, it was just fantastic. So yeah, a really, really nice trip. So. And um, of course your, your, this particular piece can be seen in the first issue of Journey. Um, it was really, really wonderful. And um, Mark, um, we won't keep you any longer because we know you're busy, uh, probably assignments to, to write and deadlines to uh, file copy for, but it's been an absolute pleasure. And I, I know I've certainly enjoyed it. And Jordan, I've, you know, we've been really looking forward to this. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Yeah, it's really nice to talk to you guys. So thank you for, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, appreciate it. Well, I've been, like Cav said, I've been really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on things as well. And someone who travels more than I do is uh, interesting to hear from. So, uh, yeah, great. Really enjoyed that. And I'm sure everyone else did as well. So thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. Take care, you guys. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.